The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Joined now by Mike Wilson of Knox News Sentinel. You can give Mike a follow on Twitter at by Mike Wilson. He joins us today via the Irish Network's hotline. Mike, good morning. It's going good. I've, you know, my Twitter's been going crazy the last 24 hours, but it's got my favorite notification yet. It's a follow from Jason Swain. Oh, yeah. I had to bless you this morning, man. You have officially been blessed. Man, it feels like it's been a long road, but this that feels pretty good. Well, I should have followed you after I heard uh, about the uh, – party time in Omaha during the World Series. I should have followed you then because, you know, if I know if I want to have a good time, I can just I can just hang out with you. Well, I can't argue with the facts that are presented in front of me, so <laughs> that's all I can say about that. Hey, man. Thanks so much for, for joining us this morning. And, and man, you got the uh, – you got Vol Nation buzzing with uh, your article, your work, your piece on Zakai Ziegler, who is quickly becoming the, the fan favorite. We know he's the smallest player on the court, but – has the biggest heart, changes the tempo of the game, changes the intensity of the game. Um, when he comes in, everyone knows it. He's had some big plays this game. He's had some, you know, big, big performances in key games. But you got a chance to, and this is what the industry can do. And I think this is why guys like yourself and Ben have a passion for what you do is because you want to tell the stories that are not told uh, about players and, and let people know about Zakai Ziegler, the person. And I thought you did a really good job of, of doing that in the article. And um, if you have not read it, listeners, you need to go read it, like, right now. There's there's the article, Mike. What are some things that you did not put in the article that, that impressed you or surprised you about things you learned about Zakai Ziegler? Uh, I think most of the stuff that I didn't put in was more about Peach Jam um, and just being at Tennessee. Um, just because, I mean, there was so much. Like, when I started this process, and to be fair, stories like this only happen when, when people like the Kai and his mom are very open. Um, and both of them were very open about a lot of what they've gone through. Uh, so I started with about 10,000 words that I whittled down to about, I think, 1,800 to 2,000 was kind of the final word count. But uh, just the way that Peach Jam went down for him, I mean, that day that he got stitches, like, the, the, he, he kind of ran me through, like, running from place to place. And I, I think I included that, like, he heated up half a sandwich thing. But, like, he said his coach had gone to Subway and got, like, 12 sandwiches. And he didn't really get back in time to eat. Didn't know if he was even going to eat. Just basically took a bite of food, said, I'm not hungry, I'm ready to go. Then went out and dropped, I think it was 23 points on a team that Jalen Duran, Derek Lively, and uh, three or four five-stars, top 100 kids. And, yeah, it was kind of fascinating hearing his, his process down there. Um, there was some stuff there from his AAU coach because um, that was a team that he played with as a freshman in high school. There was a misunderstanding somewhere along the line of, a, of him thinking a coach, the guy thinking a coach didn't like him. Then he, the coach, Shandu, who works with the older group, was like on the phone with a mutual friend that was hanging out with Zakai at the time. It was like, hey, put me on with Zakai. Um, and he did, and he like, explained to him and got him back with them. Um, I mean, there was a phone call there, too, that, that definitely had an effect on Zakai's future. 
uh, in terms of getting him to Peach Jam, which is where he got seen. Mike, you, you've been able to learn Zakai's personality this season just from him doing media availabilities and, and talking to people over there. Is, is he just a, a mini version of Mama Ziegler? And just kind of what, <laughs> what, what kind of vibes did you pick up from Mama Ziegler? You know, her personality was so just fun uh, to talk to. Um, just a really, really pleasant and and strong person. I think that was something I wrote in there because that was something that I took away from from talking to her. It was just one of those conversations where I was left thinking, "What a great mother um, she is! Like, what what a human being she is that has just found a way um, and gotten it done." And you could really feel and understand the love that she had for her son. And, and like, that was the stuff about that, that, that lingered with me, but you can tell, I mean, I don't know if y'all saw the photo of them. I mean, she's not big either. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, she, she might be a foot shorter than Zakai is. Mm-hmm. And she packed a punch though. I mean, you, you, you can see that they're a duo that, that really has each other's backs and gets after it in life. Man, the story about him traveling to go to school each and every day is, is is remarkable and when you are in the streets of new york traveling back and forth and and it's no telling what you have seen in those trips playing in front of ten thousand people twenty thousand people in a basketball arena that's nothing to you that that type of pressure doesn't get to you at at all Uh, man what was your reaction when you heard this story about zakai um and his travels to his school via train and how he's put in situations where he kind of had to just lock himself uh, away and, and just kind of be by himself. Well, like, what was your reaction when you saw and heard that? So this is a funny one because I think Zakai thinks that all people in the South are obsessed with trains now <laughs> um, because I, I latched on to the train thing pretty quickly in talking to him um, because that to me was just such a crazy detail that this, 16-year-old kid made this decision that I'm going to take a train two hours each way basically every day because I want to be a basketball player, and this is how it's going to happen for me. Uh, I mean, the attitude to be 16 and think that way really is is crazy. I mean, you don't hear that from a lot of people necessarily. Um, So That was crazy, but I I think that's where I really latched on in this process to these type of things are why Zakai isn't shaken on the court. You're not going to fluster him on the court because he's seen things, he's gone through things, he's dealt with it. He committed to like a hard train ride every day. Uh, I mean, he's gone through these things and done these things. So, okay, you set a hard screen on him, he doesn't care. Like, that's not going to bother him. You get in his face a little bit, he doesn't care. I mean, that's just not who he is as a person. You're not going to shake him like that. And I think that was one of the things that in, in sharing his story was, the person you see in the court is very much a reflection of the person that he's been off the court. Like, this is how he is because he's had to be this way before. Mike, you haven't been covering college basketball for 30, 40, 50 years like a, a Wes Rucker, but nice. you, you, you did go to <laughs> Michigan State, uh, which is obviously a, a big-time basketball school, and, and that's kind of where you, you learn the art of journalism and, and storytelling and, and was around great basketball there. I mean, did, did Michigan State have, have anything close to, to this type of story? Because obviously Tennessee has has not. And Kennedy Chandler has had a, a 
a really good freshman season. But, man, it, it has certainly turned into to quite the dynamic duo, and, and I don't really know where, where Tennessee would be without Sakai. And I think he's going to be, be a big piece of, of what Tennessee can do uh, down the stretch here. And he's supposed to be a high school senior. I think everybody has, has kind of forgotten that. So one caveat there, he is the right age to be a college freshman. He was going to do a prep school year. Ah, okay. Um, so Zakai had a plan to do prep. Um, he is like he was always eligible as a 2021. He wasn't a reclass. Gotcha. He technically moved back into the 2021 class, um, but he wasn't the the Brandon Huntley Hatfield reclass gotcha. kind of guy. I think we um, just go with the the other story just just for the sake of storytelling. I mean, every every great story has a part that. Uh, some truth that is somewhat stretched, right? And you get lo- get lost in lost in the fabric. Yes, along yes. The way. like movie Blindside. Like for example, Wes is forty three, which is not a false story. That is true. <laughs> Wes Rucker is forty three, not thirty nine, despite his internet claim. Um, as, as for the Michigan State thing, um, you know, the three years I was there, they kind of were stacked um, roster wise for two of those three. Uh, they did make the final four the final year I was there, and you know. Stories like this, in terms of Zakai, are a little different. Um, the only thing that I can think of that's even close was a guy named Bryn Forbes, who now is in the NBA, obviously. Uh, he was a Lansing kid, transferred back uh, from Cleveland State because he wasn't highly recruited out of high school. Just an elite shooter who ended up being a really key player on that uh, that Final Four team and now has made himself a really nice living in the NBA and won a title with the Bucks last year. Do you think Zakai could end up as as the ultimate Rick Barnes fan favorite. I tweeted about it yesterday. We had a conversation about it last week. I know Grant and, and Admiral will be hard to surpass, but I mean he, he is already such a fan favorite and, and if he could find a way to help lead this team to a final four or Elite Eight or SEC tournament championship or, or another conference championship, I mean I think I think he could become the the biggest fan favorite of the Rick Barnes era. Yeah, you know, I, I thought back to that the other day because when Tennessee had that open practice uh, the day of the Ole Miss football game in October, I remember tweeting something about, like, Tennessee fans are going to adore Zakai, like he's the immediate fan favorite kind of guy. Um, and, and I think he does have that potential, and uh, he, he's five foot nine. That, that's a huge part of this. Mm-hmm. You see this young, scrappy kid who gets out there and plays the game the way he does, hits three-pointers the way he does. Just There's so much savvy and craftiness to his game. He's also such a pest. I mean, the, the, the Tyree Appleby stuff, he tickled his nose. Like, Amazing. He, the other part of that thing in October I tweeted was like, other teams are going to hate this guy by the time he's done. He, he's got that Aaron Kraft, how long has this guy been in college deal where in four years opposing fan bases are going to be stunned that that guy isn't a 19th year senior. Like John uh, Fulkerson. Like, like John Fulkerson. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's got that kind of thing to him. But the difference here being, the guy's playing 20 minutes a game as a freshman. John Fulkerson played like eight. Um, so long term, I think there's no question the guy's got that fan favorite thing. And I thought someone who, who knew I was working on this story, something they said to me was very, very accurate, which was fans already love the guy so much. But hearing his story and getting to, to read about his life is going to make them love him even more. Mike Wilson here from Knox News Sentinel. Did, did you get any uh, feedback from Zakai or his mother, Charmaine, about their opinion or their experience 
being an athlete here at the University of Tennessee and, you know, the, 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 the crowds at the, at the games and the, 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 the feedback they've gotten from uh, the fans and talk about the support uh, from the fan base. Have they mentioned anything about, about that? Because uh, obviously playing, playing athletics in New York is a little bit, is a little bit different as far as the fans that uh, come to the game and the attendance records um, that you see being broken. Do they talk anything about that? Uh, you know, more more specifically just about loving Tennessee in general, I think was more of what, what they talked about. Uh, I mean, you could understand his mom's love for Tennessee and the opportunity that um, that they gave Zakai and in turn then her family um, for him to be down here. And, um, yeah, I thought one of the funny things was kind of the end of that story, like when she talked about coming down to visit him here and like, I want to see what you do here. He's like, yeah, I just go to the gym. Like, that's like that's where I go. Um but yeah, you can you can sense the admiration and, and love they have for the program, just as a family, um, for yeah the opportunity and also I think what you're talking about the fan favorite element. Um, I mean, you can tell that that it, it really means something because you go from you know a year ago this time winding down your senior year with no real scholarship offers and now you're playing in an arena with twenty thousand people going nuts when you go in the game. I mean. A lot of times the Kai checks in with John Fulkerson, so it's hard to know exactly who's drawing the biggest cheer. But there's a loud cheer when those guys come on the court, um, and you can certainly know that a lot of it's for Zakai. do want to ask you about the team as a whole before we get you out of here, as uh, it is officially February and hitting the stretch run leading to March. Uh, the Texas game well, was ugly until those last five minutes or so. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a, a detour and, and ask you about the Texas game since – since you were there, and then I'll ask you about the team and the stretch run. Just what was that atmosphere like on Saturday and seeing Rick Barnes re- return to Texas? And and do you think that Rick Barnes and what he did at Texas was properly appreciated over the weekend by Texas fans? It was an interesting experience, um, and I haven't haven't asked Rick Barnes or talked about that specifically, but Texas did a lot. Um, I mean, it was very kind in gesture. It was a lot. Um, I mean, Rick Barnes was definitely the center of it. There was a big banner by the bus when he arrived. You know, the, the staff members and players are wearing T-shirts that unite the family on the front. Like, thank you, Coach Barnes, in the back. Um, but I thought maybe the, the most unique thing was it was a sellout, which apparently doesn't happen in Texas. It was the first one since 2016 uh, that they sold out that arena, which I think seats about 15, um, if I'm not mistaken on that. Mm-hmm. Um but it was a big-time Rick Barnes celebration. Um, very, I think, thoughtful um, and a lot put into it. Um, and understandably so, because I remember Chris Beard's comment basically being like, the, the ending he got at Texas wasn't what he deserved, and this is a chance to, to celebrate Rick Barnes, and, and they definitely did that. Good stuff. Good stuff, Mike. And, uh, you know, there's folks listening that, that love Zakai uh, Ziegler but did not get a chance to maybe read the article. How can people find the article, read the article, man, follow you and follow your work, man? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at ByMikeWilson, B-Y Mike Wilson, because when your name is Mike Wilson, Twitter handles are hard. Yep. Um, <laughs> and go, go Vols Extra and KnoxNews.com. That's where you can find the, the uh, Zakai Ziegler article. Is Tony Vitello going to go undefeated and lead Tennessee to a uh, college World Series title this year? Maybe if the road schedule wasn't so difficult. Is at, at what game on the schedule does Drew Gilbert start a brawl? The season starts what February eighteenth. Yes, 
February 18th. Do you approve of Blade Tidwell's nickname, Titty? I do because it makes me giggle. <laughs> Am I going to get an invite at the next Mike Wilson, Ben McKee, um, Shindig? Shindig, or <laughs> I guess a uh, remake of, of, of Omaha, Hangover. O- Omaha pop-up concert. I don't know what we would call that evening. It was a fun I, one. I, I don't know. Borderline rave slash beach balls being punched around in the crowd slash we had backpacks on. I don't know. It was a lot. Was Ben but, dancing? Uh, yeah, I'll, I got the video. I'll DM it to you. Oh, yeah, please. I, I've showed him the video. You, you also forgot the part where uh, people were forgetting who they were with and, and where they were. Uh, uh, th- that was not me, for the record. I don't, I don't it want was, that. It was that not there. me either. It wasn't, it wasn't any of us. Trying, you're trying to get Mike in trouble. <laughs> hey, Mike, thanks so much for the time, man. Really, really appreciate it, man. Fantastic it's, job on, on, on the article on Zakai. Thank you guys for having me. Mike Wilson. Knox News Sentinel uh, joining us here on the Swain event. Man, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. From Mike Wilson. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Decent guy. Sounds like a pretty cool dude. He's aight. He's average. The article was not average, though. No. PC fans going to love Sakai even more. And I love pieces like this. It could be, you know, Tennessee Prime, the, the show. The, that we did during the football season or, or articles like this where you get a chance to know the athletes more. You get a chance to hear their story. I think guys like yourself like telling those stories. Yes. It makes the job enjoyable. Yep. So. No doubt about it. Good job. Good job, Mike. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Hour three of the Swain event is brought to you by the Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Do you know your numbers? Feel like you again. Let us help. Is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. Hello, is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. What are you doing? Calling around to get the best rate on a car loan. Why? Everyone knows Alcoa 10 is the best choice to purchase a vehicle or refinance your current loan. And with low interest rates and 90 days to your first payment, it's a no-brainer. You can even apply online and sign all the documents from the convenience of your home. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Alcoa 10 Credit Union. It's so easy. Go to ATFCU.com for details. Rates are dependent on credit score and equal housing lender. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42ST.com or give them a call at 865 382 7007 42nd Street Brand Strategy Design Fellas, when it's time to freshen up that wardrobe, there's only one play to make, and that's to go see my friends at Mark Nelson Denim in downtown Knoxville. Find the latest in small batch denim in the heart of Knoxville. 
Denim isn't all they do though. Mark Nelson also does custom suiting and blazers. Let your personal style shine with Mark Nelson. If you don't have time to go shopping for yourself, but still want that fresh look, then sign up for the NN Society. Let the experts handle the shopping and get $300 worth of merchandise for just $150 every other month. That's six times per year to keep you looking styling every day. Let Mark Nelson Denim help you be the best you. Because when you look good, you feel good. Go to MarkNelsonDenim.com. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. There are articles and news stories that you read about the things that people do. And when you're reading those and you start to shake your head, you start to scratch your head a little bit. You get confused. You don't understand why. You start to ask questions. But really, there's only one question that matters. What is that question you may ask? For what? Right in the middle of uh, everyone accusing everybody of cheating and doing things, you know, under under the table, and uh, we we are seeing that with college football coaches, uh, especially SEC coaches, kind of point the finger at their rivals, and they've been doing this pub, uh, p- privately for for years. Every every coach is going to say the other coach is cheating while they're cheating. It's just the way it is. But now. Uh, they're more public about it, talking about NIL. And um, you would think the teams that have broken rules or cheated, you would think those teams go out there and win a lot. Well, it's not always the case. I think um, I think Jeremy Pruitt kind of proved that point. Did all that rule bending and didn't didn't win. There's another school out west that we can put in that same category, ooh, and, ooh, ooh, and that ooh, is ooh, ooh. I mean, that's Arizona State, man. Yes, let's do it. Take Arizona that State man, defense you... coordinator Antonio Pierce is no longer employed by the school. A spokesman confirmed to ESPN on Wednesday. Sources told ESPN that Pierce was resigning and expected to pursue NFL coaching opportunities. Pierce's departure marks the fifth assistant to lead the Sun Devils program in the wake of an NCAA investigation into alleged illicit recruiting practices, these allegations of violating NCAA dead period recruiting restrictions prompted by the COVID-19 pandemic and the investigation is still open. As sources told ESPN that multiple coaches uh, implicated have yet to speak to the NCAA. 
Um, what? Like, this sounds like some minor stuff in the SEC. Like, this sounds minor, but the NCAA, you know, they're going to pound Arizona State to send a message of what they really want to do to some of the SEC schools but don't have enough power to do it. Or the but, cojones to do but, it. But they're going to they gonna pound uh, Arizona State. Arizona State, they got rid of all these coaches, the fifth coach to leave because I don't see anything about impermissible benefits or anything. Like, y'all doing all this over – some contact, some extra contact period. Seriously, but I'm giving the for what though. There's on state. If you're gonna do all this cheating, at least win more games. If you're gonna I, bend the rules, at least do something with it. I mean, it's eight and five this past season. 2019, it was eight and five. 2018, it was seven and six. Only played two games in 20, uh, four games in 2020. Uh, they was two, two and two. But you would think like, man. Herm Edwards, 25 and 18, and a terrible down Pac-12 with bending the rules, you would have more more results from that. That's all I'm saying. That's why he gets it. I think it's all Herm Edwards' fault. I think this is just obviously a red flag that Herm has a sinking ship at Arizona State. I think it is a red flag that the culture is just awful. I think it, it means that he is just a disaster. I, I think it's all Herm Edwards' fault. This is this is this is soft and terrible. You, you know what is also soft and terrible? What's that? Amani Bates. Ooh. Amani Bates has been in the headlines the last couple of days. And for those who do not know who Imani Bates is, he's supposed to be the next Kevin Durant. At least he was viewed that way or labeled that in high school. He reclassified to to this year's recruiting class for this past year's and in order to play for Memphis this year. He has played for Memphis this year, and it has not gone according to plan. Uh, He's been in the the news this week because there was a report that Amani's time at Memphis was coming to an end, but his father, Elgin, such an older black person's name, 100%, 100%, man. Uh, told CBS Sports on Tuesday night that his son is going to his home state of Michigan to see a back specialist to further examine discomfort that Imani has dealt with for three weeks. There was a report on Tuesday night that Bates' future has suddenly come into question. Elgin told CBS Imani plans to rejoin the team as soon as doctors say so, adding, I have no clue what that report is about. He's been having pain, and we're going to figure out what's going on. All that seems logical, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing Gary Parrish into the picture because I thought he had a great tweet. And a telling tweet because Gary Parrish, based out of Memphis, one of the best college basketball insiders, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he is tweeting what I'm about to read to you. Can anybody recall a player ever averaging 25.6 minutes over a five-game stretch, never mentioning an injury, but then missing a game while traveling 700 miles back home for a doctor's appointment to a, to address an injury. Because that's what Amani Bates' dad is asking you to believe. And again, it's no coincidence that Gary sent this tweet out. Oh, I don't believe it. No question somebody... Probably Penny 
again, Gary is based out of Memphis, a terrific college basketball media member, but he didn't just come up with this tweet on his own. This, this tells me that somebody told Gary that Amani has never mentioned an injury to, to the Memphis coaching staff, and this is on the heels of him averaging 25.6 minutes over a five-game stretch, which would you know, allude to him not being injured. And then he flies back home 700 miles for a doctor's appointment to address an injury, which is weird because why are you going home for a doctor's injury in the first place when, when you have doctors in Memphis? So that, that's a – You have your own doctors. Right, which is, which is weird. So I, it's, it's just pretty remarkable that uh, there's, there's always drama in, in Memphis's basketball program, and I, I guarantee you that it, it is not as simple as Elgin Bates was trying to make out that uh, he's going to rejoin the team as soon as doctors say so. Drama, 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 drama. It always is with Penny, and, and this is just the, the next for what and what has been a tenure at Memphis that should be labeled as an entire for what. When Seth Stokes or, or you do the, the next round of for what intros, it just needs to say the Penny Hardaway era at Memphis. I would love, and maybe sometime when I have time, which I don't know when that will be, but to, to, to sit down and write out all the things that have happened under Penny's watch since he took the job at Memphis. Wouldn't you love to read through a list of all the drama that has taken place at Memphis? It would be staggering to see it kind of all lumped together because it has been nothing but drama uh, under Penny Hardaway at Memphis. And and this is just the latest chapter. Uh, Vol Grizz Cub says, Gary also said on radio yesterday that he got a text earlier that morning about if he had heard that Bates was suspended before the Cincy game. And then later, and then later, Fisher's tweet came out. Um, said he heard something about that from more than one person in the basketball community. So uh, it, something, something doesn't, something doesn't smell right there. To be honest, I uh, love it. I'm choosing to believe that that this smoke is legit. That this this is all Penny's fault. I, I'll I'll buy into this one. One thousand percent. I think there's enough evidence. J. A. Black thirty three says, "I don't know about James and U. T. Uh, referring to Jordan James, the in-state running back who was once committed to Georgia." Uh, J. A. Black thirty three again says, "I don't know about James and U. T. But U. G. A. did not process uh, process him per se. They asked him not to sign early because they wanted to see if they can get Gibbs. Gibbs chose Bama." And then UGA turned back to James, but James felt slighted and decided to look around. Um, I see why you're trying to say didn't get processed per se, but is it having a kid committed and then telling that kid, like, we're not taking you, you need to look somewhere else. Is that process? Yes. But if you have a kid you really, really want, you let them sign early. And if you don't let them sign early, you know 
what they're going to respond with. You don't have to dump somebody to get out of a relationship. You just do something that you know will piss the other person off and they leave on their own. So you don't necessarily dump them, but you get what you want, which is not being in the relationship. So that's what Georgia got. They didn't want to be in a relationship. So they didn't dump him. They just did something to make him want to dump Georgia. But the end goal is the end goal. Because perception matters, and you didn't want to be the school that told a kid a couple days before signing day that they don't have a spot. So did he get processed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, it's, if it's a yes or no question, did he get processed? I would say yeah. But I do understand the nuance there. But it is weird. Like, they didn't want him, but they also came back and, and tried to get him. Well, they wanted somebody more because, because you know, his game changed a little bit. He, had, he got injured, and so he wasn't I, I probably the same player, you know, according to, according to Georgia. So it's just weird that they went from not I – mean, it makes sense. I'm just saying, like, he was processed, but he also wasn't processed because – <laughs> they tried to come back around and get him, if that is true, what the, the text boxer is, is saying. Yeah. College football for you. Love it, man. Love college football. I like I like where Tennessee's at running back-wise, though. Justin Williams, I, I think he's going to be a stud, an absolute stud. And I think we'll look back and wonder how in the world did teams, big-time teams, not start offering him until later in his recruitment? He probably, like, de- like, how probably developed later. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, for sure. But, he, I mean, he was at West Virginia un- until November, December. And then Tennessee, Auburn, I think Florida offered. I, we'll, we'll look back on that, and, and, and I think that will be a, a talking point of him kind of being under – recruited and and just who knows with with covid and how that affected his junior year and how schools evaluated him but i i think he's going to be an absolute stud at tennessee and and uh help form what should be a, a really good trio of jabari small and jalen ride and himself this year and then as he moves forward after his true freshman year to to gain a, a bigger role and, and take it and, and run with it. And Dylan Sampson, I mean, it, it seems like he's another Jalen Wright in, in terms of speed and being dynamic with, with the ball in his hands, under-recruited for sure, three-star out of Louisiana, so not a ton of fanfare there. And we'll see if Tennessee's evaluation was correct because they did pass up on some backs to, to, to ride with Dylan Sampson. And some backs that that were ranked higher than than Dylan Sampson, but he has elite speed. And you brought up the article earlier this week when we were discussing Aiden Bustle, the article from J.C. Sherbert. Is it Schubert or Sherbert? Schubert. Okay, I've, I figured I was just saying the ice cream and not his actual last <laughs> name. But uh, his article from several years ago of kind of which three stars to to be excited about. I, I guess, or which ones to, to really look at as promising 
prospects, and, and it's ones who have at least one elite trait, one elite skill set, and that one elite trait for Dylan Sampson is speed. He has world-class speed, and uh, I, I like Tennessee's running back call with Justin Williams and Dylan Sampson. I, I think for us fans, this is a – and I'm about to lay down a really, really, really good um, lesson here for fans in terms of, like, recruiting and perception and, and all that good stuff. When you're looking at stars, you're looking at rankings, and and but but you sometimes forget that a player can – develop during time, they also can take steps backwards in in their development. Well, look at the Justin Williams, Jordan James comparison. One player was rated higher, had an injury, was a step maybe slower, and was a Georgia commit, decommitted, you would think a player from the Southeast, a player from Tennessee, one of the best players in this area, you would think it would be easy for him to go to Florida or Alabama or LSU or like anywhere else in the SEC. Like Ole Miss just took a running back in the portal. You can never have too many. It's not like it's a quarterback and it's, oh, there's no spots. We're talking running back. So you would think a guy like George James would be able to go and just go anywhere in the SEC if Georgia says no. But he, he signed with Oregon. Now, Woody Washington proved that, I mean, hey, you still could be a good player even though your speed is questioned in the SEC and what he's done at Oklahoma is pretty good. So you have a Jordan James who perception was, all right, he's a fourth best player in the state, one of the top 20 running backs in the country. Man, Tennessee has to get him. And he committed to Georgia. Like, Georgia at some point saw him better than where he is now. Because if they didn't, he would have signed to Georgia. Well, he got hurt. Totally understandable. Well, let's look at Justin Williams. Justin Williams was committed to West Virginia. If you are an SEC fan of a team who is really trying to compete for a championship, do you really want players that are from West Virginia unless they are the best players in West Virginia? No. So when you think, all right, a player's committed to West Virginia, you think at first, like, oh, that player's not good enough to play for us. But guess what happens when a player continues to work? They, they developed. They get better. They get better. And that's what Justin Williams did. That's why the rankings and the things like that halfway through the recruiting cycle or at the beginning of the recruiting cycle, man, you got to take, you you take it with a grain of salt because the player is going to continue to get better. He's going to gain weight. He's going to get faster. He's going to get stronger. You know, you got COVID in play where some kids are not able to be recognized or seen and some places don't have their, didn't have a season. They canceled the season. So you just, you just never know. But like, you take a Justin Williams that at the end of the recruiting process, now you have other SEC teams trying to get in and sign Justin Williams. I want to know where, like, Auburn was. Was Auburn in the mix for Jordan James? Because you would think, all right, you didn't go to Georgia. Well, I mean, Auburn, boom. Did you go to Auburn? Don't know Auburn's numbers, all that good stuff. But, like, Justin Williams had multiple SEC 
you know, teams trying to get at him at the end of the process. I didn't hear a lot about that with, with Jordan James, and he ended up signing with Oregon. So, like, I think this is an example of, you got to just take this recruiting stuff with a grain of salt because players, they get better sometimes or they get worse sometimes. And you can't blame schools for getting a commitment early and the player maybe – Regressing a little bit. It could be their fault. It could be injuries, whatever. It could be laziness, but whatever. But the player regressing and that school deciding to go in a different direction. And then the opposite happens where a player progresses and he gets better. And he goes from a West Virginia offer to a big-time SEC offer. So that happens. Each day that passes, I feel stronger and stronger about the opinion that I have shared over the last year or so about you can't assess or judge a recruiting class based off of today. You can't. You can't assess or or judge or finalize your opinions or thoughts on on a recruiting class when, when the player commits, when the player signs, when the class is finalized. You just can't because you don't know how it's going to play out. You, you just don't. You, you have to wait and, and judge. It stinks that we have to, but it's the only fair way to do it is by judging things a year, two, three down the road. Because in, in some instances, a, a school, I mean, Penny, not to continue to harp on, on Penny, but like Penny Hardaway is a perfect example of that. And, and, and the preseason hype that he, he has generated at Memphis twice because of the recruits that he is, has brought in, and, and they, they have had terrific talent. But like in, in the James Wiseman year, the, the team chemistry and, and how the team kind of interacted with one another killed it, killed all the hopes and dreams that year. And then, and then this year, they have a bunch of talent on their roster, but they don't have very many good basketball players. And, and there, there's a difference, and in, in the recruiting rankings haven't worked out. But who was hyped up on, on signing day and in preseason leading up to the, the basketball season? Memphis, the top ten in the country. Tennessee basketball is experiencing this right now. Kennedy Chandler is having a great freshman season. But it doesn't feel like that when, when you're on Twitter watching fans talk about Kennedy Chandler or when you're on message boards watching fans talk about Kennedy Chandler. You would think that he's having an awful year. He's been the best five-star um, that Rick Barnes has brought in during his tenure. Yes, as a true freshman, for mm-hmm. sure. Absol- absolutely, and overall uh, as well. But he had these, I-, I won't say unrealistic, but but large expectations placed on him, whereas Zakai Ziegler, the, the, the no-star, who kind of reclassified, as we learned with Mike, um, wasn't supposed to be here. Nobody had any expectations for him. And his season, which is very similar, if not the same as Kennedy's, it's viewed as a great freshman season. But Kennedy's is viewed as underperforming because of preseason expectations. But there were people questioning Rick Barnes as to if he should take this five foot nine Zakai Ziegler kid from New York who who wasn't supposed to necessarily be in this class and, and didn't have a ton of 
ton of offers. Everybody was questioning Rick Barnes when it came to that, but look how it's worked out for Tennessee. He, he's been one of, if not Tennessee's best freshmen, but yet you have another five-star on the team who isn't doing anything right now, isn't living up to his recruiting ranking. You have a, another top 50, top 100 player who was committed to Marquette until a coaching change who who's playing even less than the other five-star who's not having a, a great freshman season. You just can't judge what a team is doing in recruiting un, until you see it play out. You really can't. I hate that you can't because it's fun to talk about, but there, there's just no way of knowing, good or bad, how, how things are, are going to work out and if a team was correct in their evaluations and, and correct in, in not pursuing a kid or correct in pursuing a kid. You just don't know until two, three years down the road or even their, their first season on campus. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let me check out this text box. Jamel says it's, it's so funny listening to Ben say Memphis and discuss talking about the Tigers and then hearing talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, I hate it. Trust me. <laughs> and, and in fact, the, the Memphis Tigers are such a disgrace. Like, they, they should not even be allowed to play in FedEx form. That, that's how big of a disgrace they are to the Grizzlies. They, they do not at all deserve to be in the same building and playing their games in the same building as the GOAT, John Morant. They just don't. I mean, they, they should be sent back to campus and have to play their games where, where the women's team plays. And I believe that's a separate building on campus. Somebody may, may correct me there. I don't think that they play in the form. They're, they're women's basketball team. I think they play on campus. And that's where the, the, the pennies should play, on campus. Because they, they do not deserve the right to, to the roam the same building as, as the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies are doing all these great things, putting Memphis on the map, and then Penny just comes away and just takes a big old dump on it. Tremel says, triggered him. Uh, Nelson says, are we talking to the Whedon kid that transferred from uh, Alabama? I have not heard that Tennessee is. The Whedon kid. It, that was the, I think his first name is Kamar, C-A-M-A-R. We mentioned him during around the SEC yesterday or Tuesday. He is the uh, the former big-time recruit that, that signed in the 2021 class, top 50 player. Running back? Yes. Didn't play. Uh, he has entered uh, the transfer portal recently. Was it before February the 1st? I think it was. Uh, yes. <laughs> it, well, he had been I, – I hesitate because he had been a storyline. There, there had been rumors February and stories about him potentially entering the portal. And then it finally came out that he did enter the portal. So I don't know. If it came out on February 1st, I would imagine that he entered before February 1st. Yeah, looking at his timeline – uh, it says that he 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 entered on the first. Um, the rule states that in order for a player to be immediately eligible, um, transferring from an SEC school to another, they must declare their intent to transfer by February first. Doesn't say before, but by. So he's good to transfer to another SEC school and be eligible. So the SEC rule now is that you uh, must be in the portal. By February first for fall sports, May first for winter sports, and then July first for spring sports. So um, he would be eligible. I don't know if Tennessee will go in that direction just because you got a lot of running backs and you need I, help other other places. Th- yes, they do. But I I do think if the the right one fell in their lap, they they would pursue. I think 
I think that they would they would right, right, the right running back. Mm-hmm. Because like I like I just said I like Tennessee's three headed. I don't want to call him a monster just yet, but whatever sake of the conversation, I'll, I'll say three headed. The, the trio of backs that will play the go. majority of trio. the time. Like I, I like Jabari Small, and I think Jalen Wright is going to be good. I think Justin Williams is going to be good, but Jabari Small is not dynamic. He's a good back, but he's not a dynamic, game-changing back. And then Justin Williams is a true freshman. Jalen Wright is just his second year. So I, I think if you could go out and add a dynamic running back, I mean, I think it, it would be really great for the running back room. But my thing is, like you just said, I would rather take that spot and, and kind of just roll with what I've got. I think it's good enough to get the job done. may not be dynamic or game-changing, but good enough to get the job done. And that, for me, is good enough to apply that roster spot elsewhere. Yeah, I want defense, man. Yes. I want defense. And I, I wouldn't be mad about a dynamic running back being added to the mix like a Jameer Gibbs. So why he ain't even why – why didn't he play at all at Alabama? Correct. That's the other thing. I, I mean, don't that's, that's, a, that's a red flag for me. At all? Did Alvin ever take a snap at Bama? Did he play in the game? I don't if remember. He, if he did, I think it was in garbage time against – some random directional school. I Man, I'm sure he's good. He wouldn't. He would. He wouldn't be at Alabama. I Man, and you know he's a he's a track guy. So, I mean, if I if I'm if I'm Texas, I'm like, hey man, come 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 be, you know, the best duo in the country. I'm sure he'll end up at A and M or Texas. He's or from Texas. Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's from Texas. So. Seems like uh, the state of Texas is uh, on the come up in terms of of schools getting right. I wonder. I wonder what changed. Yeah, me. A and M's taking a big step. Jimbo said it has nothing to do with the NIL, though. I'm not going to believe Texas. I I don't think Texas is back at all right now. But I'm I'm not going to believe they're really back until they've got to make the playoffs for me to think that they're back back. Ben, they got to win the conference. But even that's not good enough at Texas, is my point. Yeah, but like when you're winning, when you're consistently winning the conference and competing for the conference, and it's just you and Oklahoma, like that's that's Texas. But that's that's Texas being being back. Like Texas won their won championship in '05. Nope. Yep. Yes. '05, yep. and then they competed for one in '09 against Alabama, lost that one. But like, just because. Just because you don't play in the playoffs doesn't mean you can't have a dang 10, 10 win season and win the conference. I mean, anything can happen with with the playoffs and you're not getting in. So, like them competing consistently for a conference championship, like, that that should kind of be the standard of Texas, and they haven't been able to do that in the week Big Ten, I mean uh, Big Twelve, whatever it's called. But the answer, you think they'll rename it? Rename what? The conference. No. Oh, never mind. They're going coming to the SEC. I had a brain fart. My bad. No, 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 no. But I guess still, do you think the Big Twelve will rename even after Texas and Oklahoma no. leaves? They just add. They just add folks. I mean, even I mean, even when the even when the um, Big Ten had more than ten people in the conference, they kept the Big Ten because that's I mean that's that's the name of the conference. You ain't gonna change yeah, the name of the point. conference. And then with the Pac twelve, I mean, no matter if you have eleven, you're still gonna call it the Pac twelve, and, and hope that you can fill that number. It needs to be the Pac cheeks because that conference is nothing but cheeks. Hey man, they're gonna be. They'll be um, 
I mean, they always be what they be, but USC is like, hey, we gonna, we'll, we'll be the Clemson. We'll be the Clemson of the Pac-12, and when it's come time to play an SEC team, yeah, hopefully we beat them. So I understand why Lincoln Riley went out to uh, Southern Cal. I totally, totally, totally get it. Uh, as far as Alex Golish, there was a question earlier about reports, him being tied to the Miami job. This comes from inside the U, uh, their 247 site Boo. that um, mentioned that uh, a Golish is a name to, to look out for. And um, I don't have any reason to believe at this point that Alex Golish will be going anywhere. It would be a surprise at this point. So from you know, what I've heard, that uh, Golish is, is right here in Tennessee and uh, looks like it's going to stay that way, at least for another season. Who yeah. knows? Can't speak for after this season, but um, I have every reason to believe that he is not – going to Miami or interested in going to Miami and he is where he wants to be. So It would be a surprise. Mm-hmm. I, and I, and I, I like, I'm, I'm flattered. I like, I'm flattered that Ghost's name has, has come up. It's like other I guys like checking out your girlfriend. I like it. Hey, it's a good thing. I like it. You can look. Yeah, you Don't see, touch. You see what's mine? Yeah, look at my arm, baby. You, yeah. see that? you see my game? You see my game in action? You see what that game can get you? That's right. Get we, you a dime. We're pushing P over here. Whatever that means, cool. Do you, do you want to know what that means so you can be hip? Nah. You told me yesterday. I just I just forgot because I didn't care. You told me yesterday. It means player. As in keeping it real. Player? Player has nothing to do with keeping it real. I don't know. That That is what the P. There is a, a new song called Pushing P by Atlanta. Rapper Gunna, G U N N A, and on his new album that he recently released, song pushing P. The P essentially means player, as in keeping it real. <sighs> okay, eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. We did have somebody uh, on the text box yesterday ask uh, why the coaches were holding up the P sign. Like the P emoji that's that's been going around and is popular. We did we did have a couple of people yesterday ask why they were doing that. So that's why it's a it's a trend right now because of a of a rap song that's popular and the recruits obviously are listening to that music and it's a cool thing to say right now. So coach is just trying to be hip with the recruits. That's all it is. Keep up with the trends. Ben, what's the holdup with Ethan Smith? Wouldn't this just be his one-time transfer? If he had not transferred mid-year. From my understanding, that is the holdup for the Vanderbilt transfer. You have another uh, comment directed towards you for baseball. Uh, Ben, first thoughts on Tennessee baseball non-conference game. From my eye. They don't look exciting except for the games in Texas. Well, I'll tell you right now, the, the first weekend of the season against Georgia Southern, two weekends from this weekend, February 18th, 19th, 20th, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that that is going to be a really good weekend of baseball. Don't don't be fooled by uh, the Georgia Southern. Baseball in the state of Georgia is big time, and, and Georgia Southern is a, a really good baseball program. And anybody who's kept up with the team remembers last year, 
It, it was a heated series in uh, down in Statesboro. So, and and one of Tennessee's best pitchers this year is going to be a Georgia Southern transfer pitcher, Chase Dolander. So there, there, there's going to be a lot of juice in the stadium that first weekend of the season. So that that'll be a good non-con, and and then the 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 weekend in Houston against the three big teams, Baylor, Texas. I think the other one's Oklahoma. Like that, that'll be a fun weekend too. And then I mean, outside of that, I mean, that's two big weekends of non-conference baseball. So Tennessee has a, a nice non-conference schedule that will prepare them. For SEC baseball, and plus, I mean, every weekend is a grind in the SEC, so don't want to go too over the top with scheduling non-conference teams. Grind. Grind. Kind of like uh, Brian Kelly. In the, in, the, in the video room. Still makes me cringe. <laughs> Kelly was close. And then you gonna whisper for his phone number? I haven't at seen the coach of, at the end of the club too. Be that close since Derek Mason spooning Butch. My goodness, man! And the player still went to Alabama, which I, I would have to. I'm not. I gotta be careful <laughs> laughing because we gotta play against the dude. But still, if, if, if a coach was grinding on me, I'd go to the other school too. <laughs> if, if you're doing that to me on my official visit, what are you gonna do to me when I'm here? <laughs> Man. When the cameras aren't on. So weird. Hour three of the Swain event is up. Oh, my goodness. I looked at the time. And I was like, wait. That's it for the show. Oh, my goodness. I'm Ben McKee. I'm Jason Swain. Swain event fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. Hour three, powered by Low T Center. Peace and love. We are out.